Welcome to the Metro Detroit Christian Church Podcast. Up next, you will hear a message delivered by one of our pastors or guest speakers. We pray that you encounter Jesus Christ as you engage with this message. Okay, well... God is a progressive. (laughs) It's your job to boo me off the stage if a false prophet starts speaking. In the Old Covenant, they would stone them. God is a progressive. Oh, tell me more, says the disciples. (laughs) Okay. God's government starts someplace and progressively goes someplace. (laughs) By the way, I just have to say the concert on Friday night. For those of you who weren't there, um, Grandy Balliad hosted a, 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 a concert with three sets. The first set was um, led by Felicity Balliad, the second set by Matt Reese, and then the third set by Pastor Grandy, and all three of them were amazing. Like, really, really amazing. I had somebody come up to me, and, um, you know, because there was lights and um, fog and confetti and all sorts of stuff going on and he goes he doesn't go to our church regularly but he's he's visited from time to time and he goes I've never seen your church like this I didn't realize this was your church (laughs) really the level of musicianship the stature the next generation the the teens and preteens that were like oh my gosh they were so engaged and so full of life and the mixture, I mean, like worship was so easy. With, it was completely void of religion. It's fantastic. But I digress. I want to talk about God being a progressive. So God's government starts somewhere. And Isaiah gives us a picture of this. In Isaiah 61, he, he says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. This is, this is the prophet Isaiah seeing Christ. Christ quotes this in Luke 4 at the start of his ministry. So the government of God, the Lord God, that's God in government. That is God with all the power that's in heaven and on earth, but now it's resting on a me, on the earth. That's where it starts. God's government, God's power, God's authority which is in the heavens, it's over everything, it's coming to earth and it comes to a me. The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because he has anointed 
me to preach, to preach good news, good tidings, to heal, to proclaim, to proclaim, to comfort, to console, to give. These are the things that, that Christ says in this passage that he's been anointed to do. He's been anointed by God, the Spirit of the Lord, Jehovah Elohim, is resting on him. God wants to start a move through us, through you, through me. It's going to start with a me. And the Holy Spirit is here with the word, and he's wanting to sprinkle the blood of Jesus over your subconscious and just completely eradicate disqualification, unworthiness, feeling bad like we don't measure up. Because the Lord God is not resting on that. The Lord God is resting on a me that has been sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, which is the ministry of the Holy Spirit in the new covenant, which Jesus says shakes heaven and shakes earth. It brings in a whole new order to the earth when the Holy Spirit starts sprinkling people with blood. That's the message of the New Testament. So Jude tells us, one of the apostles of Jesus, he says, you beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord. I need a little more in the monitors here. Keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. So <clears throat> we have an assignment to build ourselves up. You have a me, and you have an assignment for that me. <laughs> build yourself up until you're experiencing the spirit of the Lord God. The Holy Spirit is breaking in to our lives right now in this season of prayer. He's breaking in with prayer in the Holy Spirit. He's removing disconnect from praying in the spirit from blood, the blood of Jesus. Often when believers, Pentecostals, Charismatics, pray in tongues, pray in the Holy Spirit, they can be vulnerable to going into something mechanical and dry that doesn't build you up. The Holy Spirit is breaking in with water and blood. The Spirit 
the water and the blood. So that when you pray in him, you're refreshed. <laughs> hey. You experience the benefits of the blood of Jesus, which removes all unworthiness, all disqualification, all punishment that you deserve gets taken on to Jesus. There's no punishment left. You're presented holy and blameless and above reproach in the sight of God. The Holy Spirit wants to build you up until you, you are there at the throne of the Lord God. It's like in you, in you, on you, all around you. This is the beginning of a progressive move of God. His government starts with you being built up. <clears throat> From you, it goes to a they. From a me, it goes to a they in Isaiah. It goes on in Isaiah, it says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because he sent me to preach good news to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord, the day of the vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console those who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So this me that's on Christ, who has a, a, a sovereign anointing, it's the sovereign God on Jesus, he begins releasing that spirit to a they. The they are those in Zion. It's the members of the church, the members of Christ's body. It's those who are brokenhearted there. Those who need liberty, who are captive to sin, to demons, depression, loneliness, discouragement. The opening of the prison to those who are bound. That's every way your personality shut down. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is, 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 is ministering through Christ to his body to completely release their expression. This is the way government is advancing. It starts with a me and it goes to a they and all their mourning turns into joy. All the heaviness turns into praise. All the mourning turns into consolation. All the rejection turns into acceptance. You are so welcome, Holy Spirit, <clears throat> to break in past form to deeply water our hearts today. Mm. It's for you. 
thank you. Oh, thank you, Lord. Paul said, the Lord's given me authority to build you up, not tear you down. The apostolic authority in 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 13 is to build up the body, not tear them down. So the Holy Spirit's here today to build you up. Heaven knows every single one of us gets enough experience of being torn down. So just relax. Take off your Gentile hearing ears. It's trying to get the notes down. I mean, you're free to take notes, but by all means, let the Holy Spirit minister to you today. The me that's on Christ becomes a they. And they get turned into trees of righteousness. Is that up there? Trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. So all our instability. Trees are not moving around here and there. They are planted. They're sending their roots down so deep. They just keep getting ring after ring, year after year, getting a little broader a little higher. That's what the Lord's doing to you. In the gospel, we're going to have a, a cross immersion experience. We're going to get immersed in the cross on March 30th. We do this every six months. Take a whole day. Start at 10 in the morning. Go to 9.30 at night. Break for meals. And we're going to get just inundated with never before heard truths of the gospel, which we're, we're charged to never move away from it. Grounded and steadfast in the gospel, in the good news. The only thing that can build you up. When you hear the gospel, when the gospel's breaking in in the airwaves over your psyche, you're getting deeper roots. Every time you hear, you get a little more root. You get a little more established little less unstable, with a little more authority over the undermining voices of the devil. You're being made a they. Spirit of the sovereign Lord's on me, says Jesus, and he ministers to his body, and they become oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord that he may be glorified. But it doesn't stop there. They then... In verse 4, they rebuild old ruins. They raise up the former desolations, and they repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. They stand in the gap in the three years prior to the 250-year line in the sand where most nations fall. Those who are oaks of righteousness, trees of righteousness, who have been planted by the Lord in their cities, in their neighborhoods, 
in their regions, in the body. They don't have any instability anymore. They're not questioning about whether they're planted in this body. They're not trying to escape their neighborhood. They're not trying to escape their city. They're planted. And they have a capacity to rebuild old ruins, ruined cities. It's given, that capacity is only given to the they. So if you're wondering, W-A-N-D-E-R-I-N-G, in your mind, deal with that. If you're wandering around in your mind, you might be here, but you're not here. Be planted. If Jesus has called you here, be planted here. <clears throat> Demons wander, W-A-N-D-E-R. When they are not in a host, when they're not inhabiting a host, they're wandering around. And they want to perpetuate a wandering spirit in people. Wonderlust is a horrible thing that's on this generation. Constantly looking to travel this place, that place, for a new level of excitement, never planted anywhere. Those people can't change anything. So the Lord's making us a they, and they rebuild the old ruins. But it doesn't stop there. It's a progressive move. It starts with a me. It starts with a you. And you minister to others, and they become a they. But then it doesn't stop there. It says, their descendants, in verse 9, shall be known among the Gentiles and their offspring among the people. All who see them shall acknowledge them that they are the posterity whom the Lord has blessed. I will... Greatly, now he goes back to the me. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he's clothed me with the garments of salvation. He's covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its bud, as the garden caused the things that are sown in it to spring forth, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. So it starts with the me. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me, says Jesus, and I'm going to minister to my body. I'm going to just deal with everything that's keeping them instable and broken and bruised. And they're going to become stable with roots, oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, and then they are going to begin rebuilding cities. But out of these, they are going to come descendants. Two, three, four, five generations to come. And the nations are going to recognize that these descendants are descendants of the they. And Jesus is standing up in heaven rejoicing in this plan. His soul is rejoicing. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in God. He's, I am clothed with salvation. I'm clothed with robes of righteousness to put that on other individuals, other families. Put that on local bodies. I have salvation for individuals, family, and bodies. And I'm going to send the body, and I have salvation for communities, cities, and nations. And I am so geeked about this plan. 
In fact, the whole earth is going to spring up. He's going to cause righteousness and praise to spring forth before all the nations. So Christ, Christ in this passage in Isaiah, he's received the fullness of the anointing of God, the sovereign Lord, to build up individuals, families, local church bodies, and local communities and nations. He has that on him to give to us. There is a progression of God's government. Talks about in Isaiah. Let's look at it real quick in Colossians 3. The progression of God's government, it starts with Christ, a sovereign Lord on him, but then he comes and he gives us a greeting. Grace to you and peace from God the Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. That starts a chain, a chain of government. Grace coming to us, peace coming to us from Christ. Paul starts out in Colossians 3, says, if you've been raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above, not on the earth, for you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Put off the old man with his deeds. Put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge, experiential knowledge, according to the image of him who created him, where Christ is all and in all. So here's, here's the start with the individual. The grace of Christ coming to build you up all the way up into heavenly places in your head. I speak an impartation of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ to hit you in the spirit and take all the doom and gloom out of your psyche and build your head up, your thoughts up, so they're in heavenly places, in thoughts of authority and faith and ruling. Grace is coming to you to change the way you think. That's what it says here in Colossians 3, but it doesn't stop there. It says in Colossians 1, 24 to 29, Paul says, I rejoice in my sufferings for you. I fill up in my flesh what's lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. So there's these things called apostles and pastors and teachers, and they have this grace from Christ to build up the body. So there's coming a grace from the Lord Jesus today to build us up. There's something coming to build you up, and there's something coming to build us up. And when we're built up, Colossians 3 says, this is what we look like. Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your heart, to which you are also called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. That's all of us. In all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do as a body, in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So this passage starts with individuals who are being raised up with Christ, who are putting off the old and putting on the new. And if we live that way as individuals, all of us, putting off the old, putting on the new, 
Christ becomes all in all of us. Pretty soon, we're all just filled with Christ. And as soon as we're filled with Christ, we become a body. We start hearing the word of Christ richly. So there's grace coming from Christ to build us up as individuals, grace coming to build up the body. And in the context of this, Paul goes on and he says, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in the Lord in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Bring them up in the training and admonition of the Lord. So here we have a building up a family. God came to Abraham in Genesis 12. He says, in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. So there's a family building blessing and grace and equipping that comes from Christ. Christ is standing over our lives to build you up as an individual. Build us up as a people. And all the families in the context of the body are being built up to have strong, stable, loving, joyful, submitted, productive relationships. <clears throat> I think we could use a big hit of family-building grace from the Lord in this season. There's coming a big hit to form marriages. You know that marriages are formed by Christ. Paul says, each of you should know how to possess his own vessel in sanctification and honor. And that can also be legitimately translated. Each of you needs to learn how to acquire a wife in a way that's holy and honorable. So I pray in Jesus' name for a spirit of holiness, a spirit of honor to rest on anybody who's single and on all the teens and all the preteens who are thinking about dating and courting and marriage in the future, I pray that a holiness template would be given to every single person here. Lord, I pray you just remove the spirit of the age off of every single one who's looking for a spouse. I pray you'd send the servant of Abraham into our assembly and you begin putting marriages together. In fact, we send you out right now over all the earth, Holy Spirit, to begin bringing in the spouses for the singles. Our trust is 100% in the Holy Spirit. This passage says you need to learn how to do it. And that's what we're seeking to do in our, our courting um, culture here at MDCC. We're seeking to help singles know how to do this. That's all part of the Abrahamic blessing that we're experiencing. But it, it doesn't stop there in Colossians. It keeps going. Builds, Christ builds up the individual. He builds up the body. He's building up families. And then it goes from there. He starts building up the community. Colossians 4 says, continue earnestly in prayer. Just a progression. Straight through Colossians 3 and into Colossians 4. Continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Pray for us that God would open to us a door for the word. That's out in the culture. 
to speak the mystery of Christ for which I'm an ambassador in chains that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Walk in wisdom toward those who are outside, redeeming the time. Let your speech always be filled with grace. One translation says soaked with grace. Let your speech be soaked with grace, seasoned with salt, that you may know how to answer every person. That's government going out. That's the body going out. Jeremiah is given this word, which the Lord is giving us in this season. He says, seek the welfare of the city where I've sent you in exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find welfare. In the welfare of Farmington Hills, where we're going, where we'll be in, in April, in the welfare of that city, in the welfare of the cities where the Lord has planted us is our welfare. So we're shooting ourselves in the foot if we don't do at least one thing to build up the city. And the things that God is calling us to do for our cities are not difficult. Because Ephesians 2 says these good works have been prepared for us to do from the foundation of the world. So, so oftentimes when you hear, you know, God wants to take cities and nations, it can feel really heavy and it's like it's way overwhelming and it's too much. But God has prepared good works for us to do. We've, we have been designed to do them. So when you do them, you're fulfilling your design, you increase as a person. You're not feeling heavy, you're not feeling under obligation, like, oh, I have to do the city thing now. <laughs> no, we're actually coming into our own individual family and corporate destiny when we begin doing the little things the Lord wants us to do. And I want us to listen to right now to um, Gabe Reese as he equips us on the little things to do for our city. This is an amazing word he gave at Stand Up Michigan Wayne last week, I think it was. And I just listened to the recording of it, and I said, this is the Lord. This is a word, this is a word from God to the whole ecclesia in the United States. That's what I felt. So are you ready to hear from, about how we can be equipped to build up the city? We are on, sorry, I did that too quick. Thank you, sound team, for unmuting me. Um, hi, it's great to see you. It's great to have this opportunity to share what I shared um, past, this past Sunday at Stand Up Michigan, Wayne County. Um, we've seen a shift in our group from growing a community, doing outreach, building, drawing people in, and the Lord has in the last couple, three, four months, really shifted us into investing and building people who are following us. <laughs> Um, he's building people. That's his plan, is to build people. Not to build an organization, not to build a hierarchy, to build people, to put, put something in people. And so we have people coming who are believers, but we also have people who are not. And they're coming for a word, actually. For what Pastor Shelley's speaking, for what I'm speaking, for what we're, we're sowing into them, because it's, it's bearing fruit um, where nothing else is. 
And so when we look around our nation, it quickly becomes evident that things are upside down. Can you show that slide for me of the... I just like the picture. It felt, felt right. So just leave it up there for a bit. Our local governing bodies intended to have the greatest level of influence and authority in our daily lives have been relegated to the position of vestigial organs in our body politic, only seeming to take meaningful action when graced with a flow of federal and state dollars with strings attached, of course. And these funds are dispatched by leaders who intend primarily to buy loyalty and to please the people with the power of the purse. Leadership and the commensurate level of responsibility and consequence that attends it is scarce in the gatherings of our elected officials. Instead, what we see is a managerial posture that seeks to minimize liability through deference to the level of government that has the largest legal department. So townships have one lawyer on retainer. They go, I don't want to write some kind of new ordinance that no one's ever done. What, what did Livonia do? Well, they've got three lawyers. So this is, well, they got it from the county, and the county got it from the state, and the state got it from the federal government that has 300 lawyers. And so that's the way that laws get passed, because everyone's afraid of actually accomplishing something, actually doing something that they sign their name on. You know, our Declaration of Independence, every signer of that document knew he would die if it failed. I don't see that in our nation. I don't see people signing things where they will die if it fails. I suspect that like me, you feel like thing, the things that are happening in Detroit, Lansing, and Washington are moving too quickly and are too complex to remain informed about long enough to take meaningful action. And I think this is actually a fair assessment in many ways. Laws, budgets, press conferences, and the nonstop churn of political commentary flows at such a breakneck pace that it leaves most folks feeling overwhelmed and resigned to simply debating politics in our homes and on our social media platforms, all the while ignoring what we know to be true, that there's a deep rot in the institutions of our government. A government that was supposed to be of, for, and by the people. So what do we do? Well, before I get into what I believe is our path forward, I want to look at what we have historically done. And I take full ownership of this too, as I have had firsthand experience in all of the patterns and dynamics I'm about to list. So historically, over the past few years of my political awakening, I have seen these following patterns and actions within the ranks of the church and the conservative move more broadly. Number one, I've seen calls to action for federal legislation issues. First Amendment, Supreme Court, many other highly contentious federal issues. I've seen calls to action for federal elections. Support this Senate race. Support this House of Representatives race. I've seen initiatives to contact representatives at federal and state levels about abortion, education, and other rights. I've seen rallying around national and state level candidates. And I've seen well-intentioned but reactionary and mostly ineffective responses to crises in our nation, in our state, and in our county that dissipate about as quickly as they arise. <clears throat> so what now? If all of these things have been proven to bear little, if any, fruit, and that's hard to swallow when you look back, you go, God, why? Why? Why is there no fruit? 
how are we supposed to move forward? It feels like we're all giving so much time and energy already. So how are we supposed to possibly take on any more? Let me tell you. It's got nothing to do with your energy and your ability to make something happen. What we need to step into has everything to do with a word. A word from God. A call from heaven. Usually coming through real people with real quirks and weird personality traits. It takes us out of our human means of what it should look like and into a plan that bears good fruit and real change from God. So that word came to us at Santa Michigan Wayne County in September when Corey Shankleton, who's connected to our body, came and spoke at our Stand Up Michigan gathering. He brought helpful correction and an eye-opening word that is still with our group today. This is a key word that I want to share with you today. And I hope that it would do in you what it has done in me and the many others that heard him speak. He shared about authority and the need for each one of us to internalize and own the authority we have as children of God and then as citizens of the United States of America. In his teaching, he shared about his life, his sphere, and how he stepped into serving in small ways in his community. He was asked to join the zoning board in his small, mostly rural township. He joined the board and he told us, I come, it's my first week. Usually when you join a board, you have to sign a document saying, I understand, I'm gonna uphold the laws, you know, I'm here to serve the people. And then you elect your chair, the leader of that committee, and usually secretary. So they go, all right, who's gonna be our chair? Nobody raises their hands. Corey's like, you know, should be the most experienced person. They're like, well, why don't you do it? It's like, okay. So his first meeting, he's now the chair. He's now running the zoning board. He said, all right. So I learned about zoning. I started reading things about zoning. I started learning, what are the laws of my township? What are we, what are the, you know, C1 areas? What are the residential areas? What are kind of farming and industrial things do we allow? He was faithful in that step. And while seemingly inconsequential at the time, it actually led to him being able to identify and prevent the encroachment of wicked agendas and policy goals in his township from outside interests. He actually shared about a neighboring township that had the opposite happen. They had someone move into the area, volunteered to join the zoning board. Nobody knew who they were. Sure. Nobody wanted to chair the board. You do it. Sure. Well, then it, it was quickly realized as this person climbed in authority and influence that they were from Traverse City and were actually a, a transgender individual. And they were able to modify zoning to allow transgender clinics to be built in that community to support a trans, uh, Traverse City transgender clinic. It was basically a recovery facility. And that just came, the very conservative community, they would never want that. But they actually, no one stepped into the place they'd been given. And so there was an open pathway for these policies to roll right in. He said that, the call on each of us is to occupy. To occupy is to reside, to fill or take up, to be situated in, to hold, to fill, to keep, to take control of a space. This was a word from God to us. We are being called to occupy. So what are we to occupy? I know that I'm certainly not capable of occupying federal leadership at this present time. So that's off the list. 
even the state level is outside of what I can occupy in the midst of my real life with a job, a marriage, a baby boy on the way. Reveal of the gender. Refreshing. Yes, a baby boy. April, April 11th, mark your calendars. <clears throat> so where can I take hold of this word and occupy? Right here in my backyard, that's where. And I believe that this is true for 90% of us here today. It matters that we occupy our hometown, not somebody else's. Our stomping ground. And see our voices and our lives displayed clearly in the public square. What this will build in each of us is stature. What stature? The internet says it's, quote, importance of reputation gained by ability or achievement. Eh, that's okay. That's probably mostly right. But I'd like to give my own definition for the task at hand. Stature is the degree to which an individual has taken hold of the reality of their life, the good and the bad, and filled out the God-given places of leadership, service, and love that that entails. Even when faced with discomfort, pain, and the sacrifice of dreams and desires. That stature. So this is where stature is formed, tested, and revealed through trial. Stature isn't being on TV or being known across the state. In fact, we've all seen countless numbers of people hoodwinked by positions, popularity, and power that pose a stature. And then we discover that the person behind that placard on their desk is lacking in capacity to suffer with an eye to occupy and hold ground for the next generation. That's what that bears. Stature produces fruit for the next generation. It's just like last Sunday. It's not about peace in our time. It's about peace for our, the next generation, for our children and our children's children. So my real life, me, it's in Redford. My life is that I'm 30. I work a nine-to-five job. Well, really now it's eight to five. And I carpool with my dad, Matt, and Christian Feifelski. Four days a week, we load up. And we drive to Ann Arbor together. Some days we talk, some days it's silence. Some days we talk and someone doesn't want us to talk. You can... I just want to sit here quietly. That's a real component of my life. I also have the most amazing wife in the world. And she loves being called out publicly, you know. That's her favorite. <clears throat> I'm going to be in trouble for that. No, um, and I'm blessed beyond measure by God. Also, I have to get the trash out on Tuesday nights, or I'll forget in the morning when I'm rushing to go to work, and then I leave it out an extra week. The raccoons always get in that second week, and then you open it, and it's all torn up. It's just like the worst. And my neighbor always gets it out on time. It's just, it's the thing. I have to do that. That's all part of me, my circle of me from my job, my marriage, God himself in my life to taking out the trash. That's my life. And in all of that, I have an assignment to occupy and grow in the level of stature that I have. And from there, I let God open and close doors as he sees fit. So how am I doing this? 
Let me give you some background on my personal journey these past four years. In January of 2020, a time before COVID, BLM riots, and more craziness than I can cover in any one event, I felt a check in my heart to engage with my civic responsibility as a resident of Redford Township. If you don't know where Redford is, it's on the western border of Detroit between Livonia on the west, Southfield on the north, Dearborn, Dearborn Heights on the south. I didn't have a major encounter. I just knew, wow, I, you know, and Boy Scouts, I had to go when I was like 11. You had to go to get your merit badge for citizenship in the community. You had to sit in a meeting. So like, oh, I know where they meet. Um, so I went online, went on redfordtwp.com. Um, and I saw that the Redford Board of Trustees meet every second and fourth Tuesdays of the month at 6.30 p.m. I put it on my calendar. I used Google Calendar. Very helpful. And I went to my first board meeting that same month. And wouldn't you know it, it was a mixture of boredom, confusion, and then some undercurrents of intriguing interpersonal dynamics between board members and staff. You're like, they're buddies, and then they don't seem to like each other. And <laughs> there's a lot going on here. There's a lot of baggage with this interesting group of people, but a very small group of people. It was, in a phrase, local politics. There wasn't anything flashy about it, but I began attending the meetings regularly to start learning who was who, what the procedure was, and how I could learn about the state of our township. I made sure to introduce myself to the board members, which I did, I just watched this. I went up after the meeting, I went up and I said, hi. I'm Gabriel Reese. I shook their hand, and they were all like, who are you? <laughs> you're, you're not elected, and you're at our meeting. <laughs> yes. Um, that was a line I used a lot. I would say, yes, I live here. They're like, why are you here? I live here. <laughs> I live in Redford. That's why I'm, this is the government of the place I live. <clears throat> And what I found is that quickly, as I did these things, just went up, greeted the people. Quickly, there was a reciprocation of interest. They were like, who is this guy who's come more than two times? Why is he taking notes? Where did, like, what's, they wanted to know who I was. They wanted to know, like, oh, you have a side business roasting coffee with someone in Redford. Oh my gosh, that's so cool. Like, they were quickly, this wall of confusion and also disinterest turned into genuine care and interest from them. Shortly thereafter, the meetings went remote with COVID, the COVID crisis, and I struggled through watching meetings on Zoom. <laughs> I'm watching townships do Zoom meetings. <laughs> it's already bad enough, you know, like, they don't know how to turn the mics on. We're so blessed here at MDCC with our AV team. You go to these meetings, and it's like, one, there's, this is a funny side story. Garth Christie, he's our clerk, great guy, loves the Constitution, but he breathes very loud. And they just have all the mics on. They're the little kind that are like attached with the wire and someone will be talking and he'll just, at a certain point in the meeting, you can tell he's just not really interested anymore. He just goes. <sighs> <sighs> and it was just like, I mean, like that's the thing you're hearing through the mic. It's just heavy breathing. And you know, everyone watching on, online is just like, well, all six of us and three of them are staff. Um, <laughs> So I, I persevered through this challenging time. Um, stature. 
And you know, I learned a lot. I learned a lot about the general flow of taxes, how we accrue money and how we spend it in the township, what times of year we do those things. I learned about our utility services. I learned about GLIWA. I learned about all the public services we use as a township and how that's different than a city. Acronym soups everywhere. Um, and I began seeing more clearly the strengths and weaknesses of our township and having a clearer sense of how to speak and influence through the relationships I was building. I was learning. I didn't have an agenda. I just knew that I was to occupy the place that I was given. And I did it through very normal and very simple steps of connection and engagement. I found that as I attended regularly, this is crazy, I was quite enjoying myself and the relationships that were growing. Despite our township being run entirely by members of the opposing political party from my own. I experienced a softening of my heart to them as people. And I had my eyes open to the upside down nature of our governmental structure. I practiced making public comments. You can practice that. And I actually did something where um, sometimes I would make speeches, you know, where I was actually making a comment on something I disagree with, and it's like that. <clears throat> Hello, honorable members of the board. <laughs> that was a thing. I had to get through it. I had to just do it a couple times. And eventually I learned, don't hold the paper, just set it on the podium. That helps a lot. You can always rest your hand against your chest if you want to stabilize. Because sometimes you just you get that little rush of adrenaline. That's just part of public speaking. And then what I did, this was the innovative thing. I would come sometimes if I'd noticed something nice in the township. I would come and I'd make a comment. I'd say, honorable board, I just wanted to say thank you for cleaning up that park. I really appreciate all that you guys are doing and serving us. I know it's a lot of work. I know it's a lot of long meetings. I just want to say thank you for all you do. That was the whole comment. And it was like, oh, like the whole room softened. Because, you know, elected officials do not get thanked. Like, it feels good to be thanked. It does. When you do something, when you work hard and somebody appreciates you, you it feels very nice. And so that can go a long way. Not, not insincere, not patting their back falsely. Genuinely opening your eyes and saying, wow, that thing, there was that blight there for the longest time and they tore it down. Like the township figured it out, got it resolved, and it looks a lot better. I'm going to thank them for that. Um, and it really encouraged them and, and built further connection. <clears throat> and you know what? Again, I didn't do this as a plan. It wasn't like part of a 12-step process. I just did it because I was getting to know these people and I was viewing it as part of my life. I was growing and expanding to no longer see Redford as something external to me, but rather something that was in my area of influence and slowly becoming an area where I had stature. And then there was the issue of marijuana ordinance in Redford. It was on the wish list for most of the board that we allow recreational marijuana facilities the growing, from growing to retailing in our township. I disagreed. So I spoke in public comments. I spoke in one-to-one -one chats with them after the meetings. And I went to the special public hearings and made my comments there. Often at these special meetings, there would be a handful of citizens opposed, sometimes two or three of us, and then 30 or 40 people from the surrounding communities that were business owners that wanted to come in and get their permit and extract money. I mean, that, so you had a lot of energy. Like, you walked in a room and you feel that like demonic energy just like shaking of like mammon. Like, Everyone in the room is hungry to make some money. And you're like, I just don't want a lime green building 
on my street. Like, that's what I want. Um, That was the reality. And I know that when I spoke, while in direct opposition to the board's general sentiment, I was heard in a way that many others were not. I wasn't speaking from a place of reaction. I wasn't speaking from a place of anger. I was speaking from a place of, I live here. I care about this place. I've invested in this place. And I disagree with what you're proposing. And I would ask that you reconsider. And that actually was heard. It went past. I I saw other people come up angry. and, And it wasn't received. There was an openness to hear and consider my words because I had sowed in sowed through consistent attendance and engagement. It actually helped slow things down. And so I think it has not passed. That was in 2022. This bill, they've still not passed this ordinance. Um, I think it very likely may. Um, I've been able to give feedback on the, the building's appearances. I was like, can we please put a clause if you do this that there's no murals allowed, like no graffiti murals. And they were like, that's a great idea. So there's consideration happening. They actually came up to me like, just so you know, here's a new, a new draft. We made that change you asked for. Like, I'm not a member of any board that does planning stuff. And it, it actually really helped slow down the pace to have people speaking against it in that way. In 2022, I was also asked by the supervisor of the township to serve on the Zoning Board of Appeals. So if you have an issue with, no, you can't do that there, you can come and, and appeal it to us. We've only met two times in two and a half years. Very easy commitment. I did not know. <laughs> Again, I come in, I'm like, let's do this thing. Like, you're going to be the secretary. I'm like, okay, great. And then we met one time, and this guy complained about a thing from 1984 that he bought. He's been litigating it since 1984. He keeps getting, they keep giving him the exception, and then he does nothing for a decade, and it expires, and then he comes back and reappeals it. We're like, just build the thing. Like, we have it from 97 that you were approved to do it. Just build it. So from this personal experience, I want to highlight a few key takeaways that I'd like each of you to hear. Number one, your level of stature determines your level of influence. Now, please remember, stature does not mean running to every event and trying to get an in with people. It is the degree to which an individual has taken hold of the reality of their life, the good with the bad, and filled out the God-given places of leadership, service, and love that it entails, even when faced with discomfort, pain, and the sacrifice of dreams and desires. It is the identifying of where you're placed and filling it out that builds stature and bears fruit of influence and impact from your service and your voice. Number two, engagement brings heart softening and humanizes those we disagree with. Hear me. This does not mean that we compromise on the things that are important to us. But it does mean we can have warmth and care and the ability to see the individuals in front of us. I think if you, you know when you see someone you have unforgiveness and you just go, like that's your reaction towards them? That's a bad place to be. So when you engage with your elected officials, if you're always like, that's actually a you thing. That's not a them thing. I think you're permitted to go, when you see your elected officials. That's okay. But you can't go, And so if you have that in you, that's actually a place where there needs to be some connection. There actually needs to be a level of, I need to get out of whatever this internal spiral is and shake their hand and say, you know, do you have grandkids? It's amazing. You ask people about their grandkids, it's like, 
they just open up and suddenly you've got this relationship. Again, they can still do things you disagree with, but it softens your heart. God created them, and he wants them brought into the kingdom. So we hold a standard, but we hold it with wisdom. Here's some Proverbs I want to share that teach this pattern of listening and softening the heart. Proverbs 18, 13. He who gives an answer before he hears, it is folly and shame to him. Proverbs 15, 1. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Proverbs 18, 19. A brother offended is harder to be won than a strong city, and contentions are like the bars of a citadel. Proverbs 15, 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but the slow to anger calms a dispute. Proverbs 16, 7. When a man's ways are pleasing to the Lord, he makes even his enemies to be at peace with him. I don't even get it, but that's so great. Thank you, God. Not through trying to please those people. Through pleasing the Lord. Proverbs 19, 11. A man's discretion makes him slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook a transgression. Number three I want to share is sowing into your community bears fruit and it produces joy. While there is real sacrifice and at times a level of endurance required for local engagement, it also brings closer connections and a love for the place you've been planted. So that's my personal journey in a nutshell. Um, Taking one small step at a time, building bridges with the people around me, and desiring to not simply challenge and call to account the elected officials in my community, but to help them to encourage them, and to know them. All of this without some strategic plan, but with an open ear to see, well, to hear, an open ear and open eyes, there we go, to see where God is leading me, to speak and sow my life. It's often challenging, but it bears fruit, so it's not without reward. So now, let's turn the focus off of me and onto all of you fine folks. Let's say, hypothetically, that you're hearing this and you're saying, You know what? Yeah, I want to put down roots in my neck of the woods. So what do we do next? Let's start with this. What does your real life look like? You have to start there. (laughs) You got to look at your real life. Some of us may feel they have no time to give. And others may have plenty of time but not know where to start. I would say this. Don't get tripped up trying to do things right from the start. But instead, go on a journey and discover where and how you're being placed by God to occupy a spot in the fabric of your community. If you've never been to a township or city council meeting, go and check one out. Go on the internet and find when they meet. Find out what committees and boards meet at other times, as that's often where the real work is getting done. They have a planning committee that does all the planning for development. They bring it to the board. The board says, have you addressed these couple things? Okay, great. Boom, we vote on a single line item. And so there can be public hearings, but those committees are very important. When you do this, plan on not understanding everything at first, but don't let that discourage you. We have the privilege of living in a nation where we can go to open meetings under the Open Meetings Act and learn the business of running a municipality. Where there are rights, there must necessarily be duties to engage and own the opportunity that we've been given. So I want to share the slide with uh, Redford Township next. So here on the slide, you're going to see some examples of boards and committees, committees in Redford, and then I'll show some from Farmington Hills. All of this information can be easily accessed online, and in my experience, you will typically find either no citizens attending these meetings outside of the appointed committee members or very few. 
Um, so let me just run through these really quick. So board meetings, second and fourth Tuesdays in Redford. Planning commission, again, where a lot of that ordinance development, we say, okay, we wanna, the board is interested in doing this, figure out with our lawyers how we would actually institute that policy. Downtown Development Authority, this one's great. I love going to these. They're the first Wednesday every other month. The first time I came, it was like, I'm looking around the building, like it said it was tonight. And I hear talking, so I go into an office and it's in a, a conference room behind the supervisor's office. It is an open meeting, so I walk in the door and the uh, economic development director, his name is Anthony Jablonski. What a great guy. <clears throat> he just looks at me, he goes, who are you? <laughs> And this is where I used my line. I said, I live here. <laughs> I'm a resident of Redford Township. And so again, it was, I come in, I said, this is an open meeting, right? He said, yeah. And the secretary who knows all the, the bylaws, she's like, yes, it's an open meeting. So I said, can I sit at the table? He goes, no. <laughs> okay, where can I sit? And he goes, there's a chair in the corner. So I, <laughs> I go past him and around the table to the back corner and I sit down and it's a, like swiveling, you know, it's not even like a solid chair. It's kind of like, okay. Um, they didn't have any printouts for me to have, the, the members did. And I asked, I said, there was a pause. I said, could I see a copy of the map you're discussing? They're talking about real estate in the downtown district of Redford. One of them was like, oh yeah, you could have mine. I, I have another copy and they slowly, so then the next time I went, they had copies printed for me. And he didn't say, who are you? <laughs> Still wouldn't let me sit at the table. I was like, that's a boundary, that's okay. The committee members sit at the table, sit in the corner. Um, and you know, it's so fascinating what you can learn. Like, I mean, inside scoop on like, what's going on with real estate in Redford, which is just like Zillow with all the behind the scenes information. You know, it's like super fun, the stuff you get to learn. It's at 5.30s, which is not my favorite, but it's over by 6.37. I did have one funny part where I asked a question. I said, am I allowed to ask questions? And they're like, that is, a, sure, you can ask questions. So I asked a question, and then at the end, one of the members is a lawyer, and he has a building in the downtown area, and he goes, you know, I really don't think people should be allowed to ask questions in these meetings. I think uh, <laughs> if you're not elected to the board, it's just not for you. It's like he's not directing it at me, but, okay. <laughs> I wonder who he's talking about. <clears throat> And I've made it practice to write those things on my, my sheet. I just take little notes of all the jokes that have happened. It's fun when you're reviewing. And it actually causes people to work like they're being watched, which is important. So you might be thinking, okay, this is great and all. Oh, actually, sorry, really quick, I want to go through anything else. Beautification committee, fun things. It's not all law. There's like flowers and parks and concerts. Like, these are real things that people really care about in the township. And if it's something, if you go, historical commission, Redford has history? Yeah, it used to be a cabbage farm. And then it became houses. You can learn about that. They have a building. There's a historical commission building. So really great things. Let me go to Farmington Hills, actually, before I move on. This is like, there's four slides, because Farmington's a city, and it, Farmington Hills has way more going on. I did my best, you'll see some question marks. Some of these on the things, they do not list when or where they meet. But again, there's a page, you go to the government page, you go to boards and commissions, they're all listed there. Very easy, I just went on the calendar, it took me a half hour to put all this together. City councils, second and fourth Mondays still, right, Pastor John, great. How awesome would that be to go see a city councilman at work? 
Pastor John Aldred. Um, Arts Commission, Assessment Board of Review, Beautification Committee, Brownfield Redevelopment Authority. And you might go, what even is a Brownfield Redevelopment Authority? Go find out. It's a great thing to look. Commission on Aging. Did you know that's a thing? Commission on Aging. Commission on Children, Youth, and Families. Next slide. Commission on Community Health. Committee to increase, I'm really hoping I didn't misspell anything because I'm going through line by line here. Increase voter participation. What's that? That could be really good or that could be really bad. Yeah, so right there, you can, you can learn a lot by going to one meeting and checking it out or asking a city council member or asking people who do attend these things. Um, next one, please. Historical Commission. Again, Housing Rehabilitation Alone Board. Innovating, Innovation, Energy, and Environmental Sustainability Committee. What's going on there? Where are your tax dollars going? Multicultural, multiracial community council. Interesting how those ones you can't find when they meet or who's on them. But that's the thing. Maybe it's not anything. But it's worth going and just saying, hi, I come to these meetings and I'd love to learn about this other board. Um, I think that's all of them, right, for the Farmington Hills? Okay. Uh, you can probably go to the title, the pretty bridge, maybe, I don't know. Um, so you might be thinking, this is great and all, but how could this possibly matter when compared to the existential challenges facing our nation? It's much more important that I focus all of my energy campaigning for presidential candidates than attending Parks Commission meetings. I disagree with you, but I will concede to you on one point. This lifestyle of occupying local, real-life roles is not going to turn things around if only one or two people take on this call. It's actually a culture of occupying and growing in stature in our communities, wherever that is, that actually needs to be embraced by all of us in the real context of our lives. And I do want to say, like, Nicole and I have had to navigate. If I'm going to these things, that doesn't mean Nicole's going to all of these things. And then there's things Nicole can go to. And we have to cook dinner. We have to grocery shop. Like, we're working together in our marriage to facilitate these things. She's supporting me so that I can go to these things. Um, it's not, this isn't a call for you to drop everything and all go to all these meetings. I think if we embrace this culture and our town halls become hubs of relationship, places of real discussion and real debate, and are filled with people who throw off the upside down structure of our current government that looks like bureaucrats and lawyers instead of the people, I believe there will rise a strong and resilient county, state, and a nation as a fruit of this local building. And this is not a quick fix. This is reclaiming and rebuilding for the next generation of Americans. No single person can cover all this ground. I've been called to Redford in this season, but there's a place for someone or multiple people to build relationship with our state representative, Stephanie Young. Imagine what a call to action regarding a Michigan House bill could look like when several people in the body have built years-long relationships with someone, a representative official, through attending public events, through asking what her struggles and needs are for prayer, and knowing who that person really is. Perhaps those calls and emails at a moment of critical need would carry more weight. I don't know for sure, but I know God uses people in situations just like that all throughout the scripture. So we still show up to vote, we still work the polls, we still advocate for things that are beyond just our local community, and we make our voices heard through peaceful protest and demonstration. But the building dynamic of our lives must be one of showing up, 
learning, and serving in our local communities. If we do this, each of us within the context of the life that God has given us, I know that we will rise as a people of stature, each one of you. So I want to personally invite you to join me in this journey, to follow the steps that I've shared with you today, and to fill out and occupy the territory that you've been assigned. Yeah, standing ovation is the right thing. Really the right thing. Profound word. It's right from the Lord. It's right where we're at. I met with the principal of North Farmington High School this past week as my step into one of the steps I'm taking into the community. He loved it. I had to say I have to go. (laughs) I learned more about what's going on in North Farmington right now than I said, wow. And I think he wants an ongoing connection. Yeah. It's just something, you know, over Christmas, just, I was just sitting, I was praying for the, you know, this whole thing of civil government in the community, and all of a sudden this, I should just start talking to people. Oh. <laughs> so I think we're, we're heading into something really exciting. And, and I, I love the exhortation um, Gabe to... Um, just experiment. Go on on a journey with the Holy Spirit. So, you know, we've put out on our, our uh, men's and women's net Slack channels information about how to be a, a poll worker for the elections, the primary elections at, on February 27th. You know, check that out if, if that's something that you can do. It's just getting your foot wet, just, just to... Step into the community, meet people. It doesn't mean you have to do it forever. If it doesn't work for you, that's fine. Um, if anybody wants information about that, it's on the nets. But if you're not part of one of our small groups, want information, just send an email to info at metrodetroit.org and we'll make sure you get information on how you can, can, can sign up and get training to be a poll worker. And um, yeah, we can, we can get that to you. Um, I want to close our time today uh, looking at just one more scripture and hearing from Grant Stahl. Um, I believe Paul had something amazing in mind when he was working with the churches as an apostle. We see it here in this passage in Colossians 1. He says, I rejoice in my sufferings for you, and I fill up in my flesh what's lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God 
which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but has now been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of this mystery, of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. And when you see the word Gentiles in the New Testament and the Old Testament, I believe it's appropriate if you want to insert the word nations right there. The kingdom of God is about government on the earth. That's what it's about. He wants, when righteous government is set up, the people rejoice. When righteous government is set up, there's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. So when there's righteous government, the Spirit is abiding in that sphere, making things right and peaceful and joyful. Paul said that it was God's will to make known the riches of the glory of this mystery of bringing that righteous government to the nations God's revealing that to saints. And he says, here's the key. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So, and then he says, him we preach, warning every man, teaching every man in all wisdom that we present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, striving according to his working, which works in me mightily. What's going on here? It's like there's all these persons in this passage. There's Christ, there's God, there's the body, which is the church, the saints, the generations, Gentile nations. And, and then he, he goes through all of that and he bores down to every man. It's like, he, it's like he's, I can't wait to get to the secret to nations having the kingdom of God. And he, three times he says, every man, every man, every man. The mystery is that God's gonna work in every man in a region. And Christ is gonna be revealed. Like, like we, can, we, we can get so familiar with that that we lose the wonder W-O-N, of that. Christ showing up in a person's body and them walking out into the community in that and then in the middle of those interactions, Christ will begin revealing himself in those relationships. Wednesday, we had our New Testament preaching class, and Grant, Grant preached from Colossians. Coming up, Grant. Grab a mic there. And I was so excited <laughs> when, as <laughs> soon as he stood at the at the podium. 
I, um, who was next to me? Ben. Oh, Ben. Yeah, Ben. I, you can vouch for me. Because <laughs> as soon as he stood at the podium, I saw this er- eruption of power of, a, of the river coming out of him. And I, I said, Ben, watch this. By the end of his preach, there's going to be a massive eruption of power. Did I say that? Okay. <laughs> so that's what happened, by the way. Oh, yeah. Didn't it? Absolutely. Yes. Tell us what happened to you. You're preparing this preach. Mm-hmm. And give us the preach, and then tell us what happened at the same time. I don't know how you're going to do all that oh. at the same time. Well, I woke up Wednesday morning, and I was prepping to give my preach that, thank you, SOF once flashbacks. Um, (laughs) I was supposed to preach the week before, but I was rescheduled for the next week, and I knew there was something more in my preach, but I just wasn't gaining any new power. I was like, "Ah, I'll just keep it the same. Wednesday morning, I woke up. And I rewrote my whole thing, rewrote my whole preach. I was getting a download so strong. I looked at my, my uh, heart monitor, and it was like 180 BPM. I was, I was like freaking out, but like excitement. <laughs> and like Ben picked me up, and I was just talking to him like, like I, like, I need the Lord to come and speak through me and give me clarity because I'm so hyped right now. Because I, get, I talk really fast, and I can get all jumbled up and everything. And so I needed, I told Ben, like, I need the Lord to come and use me for Christ can reveal through me, through my words. And that's what happened. Yeah, that's what was happening. That, yeah. that was the energy. Yes. It was crazy. Yeah. So it was kind of funny because I started out with, like, really excited and I got halfway through the first paragraph, and I immediately like was like choking up. So I'm not sure what's gonna happen today, but we'll see which emotion comes out. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Here we go. On your mark. <laughs> Set. Go. Okay. A dead person lives in the realm of the dead. Separate from God, separate from Jesus. God does not deal with dead beings, for who can relate to a dead person? This is why Jesus died on the cross, so we could be washed clean and be one with the Father. When we died with Christ, we were made alive because we are now living with Christ. But sometimes this does not feel real. Yes, Jesus died for my sins, but sometimes I feel like Jesus does not exist personally to me because I do not see him with my physical eyes or I don't feel him burning in my stomach when the Holy Spirit is moving in intensity. I'm a very kinetic person. I need something physical. I need that burning. Like, I know you all have felt like that burning, like the Holy Spirit just there. He's so present. It's like you're just feeling your body. Like, I need that. I crave that. Thankfully, God designed me. So that means he knows me. He knows my needs. Yes. Colossians 1 says, (laughs) The mystery 
which has been hidden from ages and from generations has been revealed to his saints. God made sure the mystery was revealed to the Gentiles, which is us. This is the mystery. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Like, I have to shake off all the religion off that phrase. I've heard it so many times. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Like, just ripping off, like, all these layers of just, like, this, all this religion. Why why don't you just do that? Help us do that right now. Lord, (laughs) just like you did to me, shake off all the religion, all the craze, Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ is in us, and he is the hope of glory. We shake off all the religion off that phrase, Lord. Shake it off. Like, violently shake it off. Like, we're called to be vigilant and aggressive. So we shake off the religion. We shake off the mass. We shake off the religion off of your word, off of your truth, Lord. You shake it off. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, okay. There's, there's more. There was the Holy Spirit erupted there. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> <clears throat> Jesus, you take off religion. You healed religion off on the cross yeah you yeah. shook it off yeah. you literally took your hands and just ripped it right off yes you rip it right off lord just as you're ripping it off right now you rip it off lord is you it is not us we i don't i don't rip it off lord i've tried that you rip it off you rip it off lord we say yes lord you rip off the religion you shake off the religion lord you just grab us and just shake us and just rip off the religion of your words of your truth yes jesus (laughs) oh christ in you the hope of glory christ in you the hope of glory it feels it's new Oh, I've never heard that before. I've never heard that before. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> okay, now that all the religion is shaken off, let's break it down. Who is Christ? Who is this? Who is this man? Colossians 1 verse 13 says, God has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of the son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood for forgiveness of sins. This is who Christ is. God sent his number one man, Jesus Christ, who is the head of all principality and power to rescue us from the death realm. He scooped us up out of the life of death and to the kingdom, the realm of God's magnificent glory. We are washed clean because we, we die with, with Christ on the cross. Our sins are canceled. They are non-existent. Yeah. <laughs> oh, our sins are canceled. They are non-existent. They cannot be found because we are full-blooded children of God living in the kingdom. This is who Christ is. Fully man, fully God. This is the man that's living inside of us. 
Ah. In the last few weeks, I've looked at my hands, and I've seen Jesus' hands intertwined with mine like the root of a tree. Just like you were saying about being rooted and built up and established. Like, I've been seeing, as I've just been living my life, I've seen my hands like, like there's like a tree branch just going into my forearms, and just like my hands are like with art in Christ. Like, it's been enveloping my body. Like, this is, this, this is, who, this is who I am. Like, it's, I, I clearly see that if anyone's seen, like, the movie Guardians of the Galaxy. Remember the character Groot? Yeah. I literally see that. Like, I literally, I see that character. Like, that's, like, Christ is literally intertwining into me. It's like, I'm, I'm one with Christ. Like, my life is lived through Christ. It's Christ living in me. Like, this is the hope of glory, Jesus being revealed through our speech. Christ living through us, taking dominion over the earth, occupying our positions here. We are God's elect. Colossians 1.1 says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ by the will of God. Paul was chosen by God. This means we are chosen. We are God's elect. It is our calling, our purpose, destined by God. Our words must be drenched in grace and seasoned with salt so that the Gentiles who are not yet saints can hear our words. Over the past few weeks, I've been having wide-eyed and bright-eyed moments as I've been doing inductive in Colossians. It has been revealed to me why I have moments where I don't feel or see God moving. I must make a choice every hour of the day to live with Christ the head of all principality and power, whose blood has washed me clean of death. I have to actively refuse all patterns and religious forms if I want to walk with Christ intertwined. I cannot live rooted, built, and established in Christ if I fall back into old man every single morning. I am living separate, I am living separate from the man who has already saved me. Like, he already saved me, why am I separate from him? This re- requires real faith to wake up in the morning and consciously choose to live connected to the head. Lately, looking at the circumstances of my life, I've been struggling to see God working in my life. My relationship with Jesus is the best it's ever been, thank the Lord. And I see and know him better than ever. But when I look at the state of my life, like I, it feels like I've been holding onto something that does not work fast enough for me. But I hear this voice saying, where is your faith? Where is your allegiance? I look at Paul, chained and imprisoned. He says in Colossians 4.2, continue earnestly in prayer, being vigilant in it with thanksgiving. Meanwhile, praying also for us, that God would open to us a door for the word to speak the mystery of Christ. For which I'm also in chains, that I may make it manifest as I ought to speak. Here Paul is, imprisoned, living in adversity, and focused on one thing, speaking the mystery of Christ. This is what disciples do. Yes. Our allegiance is to Christ Jesus. So disciples must speak the mystery of Christ. It does not matter what life circumstances are. We have been elected 
to reveal the mysteries of heaven to the Gentiles, to the nations. This is what disciples have been chosen by God to do. Paul talks of Epaphras in chapter 4. He calls Epaphras a bondservant of Christ, laboring fervently in his prayers for the church to stand perfect and complete in God's will. Epaphras had deep zeal for the church in the Colossae and the Laodicea region. This is who we are supposed to be. I read this for the first time. I was like, this is who I want to be. I want to be a bondservant of Christ, laboring fervently in the prayers for the church. Like, that's what, I, that's what I'm praying for, for the church to stand perfect and complete in yeah. God's will. Yes. I'm supposed to be, we are supposed to be disciples sent by our disciplers, praying zealously for those we have been sent to for Christ to be revealed to them. Christ has been revealed to me. I know Jesus and God who's, I know Jesus, who is God and man. He has all authority in every spiritual kingdom and every physical kingdom. We have ownership of Christ the man, Christ God, Christ our commander, the one who leads the boat. Our allegiance is to Christ, who is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Colossians 3.2 says, set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ and God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Yes. <laughs> this right here is getting me so pumped up. Like, I'm hidden, I'm hidden with Christ. Like, I see his arm. Like, I'm, I'm, like tucked into his, I'm tucked into his arm. And as, like, I'm just living here with my mind set above, like, I'm not worried about, like, my life circumstances where it's like... It, because it's all hidden in Christ. Yes. Yes. And then I'm revealed. I'm revealed through him and from that hidden place. Yes. So all my, like my finances, government, family, it all pours yes. out of the hidden place. Yes. <laughs> when the world sees me, they see the glory of Christ through, our through my life. Because we are focused on Christ. Yes. Everything here on earth finances, family, government, whatever, it all overflows out of the hidden place, out of the arms of the Father into the world as Christ reveals the hope of glory. I just, since Wednesday, like, there is, there's, I just been living in this hidden place, this place of so much grace. Like, it says that we live in a place of drenched, or words are drenched in grace, and seasoned with salt, that's where I'm living. I'm in a place, like I was, I was doing my G3 reflections last night, and as I was writing them down, I realized of how I've been just like, I've just been pushing and pushing to live in this new place, this hidden place, and how like I preached this on Wednesday, and how like it was like the, it was like the payoff. Like, yeah. I, I couldn't even stand up. I was, like, bent over like this. My Good. legs were numb from waist down. I, could, I could, could even stand. But this is the, this is the place. Yeah. Like, like, the Lord knew. Like, he, like I said, I'm very kinetic. I need, I, need to, I need to feel him. I need to see him. And he came in a super kinetic way. <laughs> like, I'm not sure how long we were all, like, everybody was like, it was, it was, I couldn't see everything from, from my point of view because I was looking at the ground premise the whole time. But, like, 
I was speaking the mystery of Christ. Yes. I have been pressing to yes. be a speaker of the gospel. Yes. Like, I've been wanting this. And I'm getting it right now. I'm receiving it. Because I'm in that hidden place. I'm speaking the mystery of Christ. Christ revealed through my speech, through my actions. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So you were saying, and part of your word on fire, that sometimes you look at your life yeah. and where you're at in your life, and it's not moving fast enough. Things aren't progressing fast enough. Right. And yet you compare that to Paul, who's in prison. Mm-hmm. What did he do when he's looking at the circumstances of his life? He prays. He asks for prayer that... yes that a door would open up in the midst of his confined life. Yes. A door would open up. Yeah. And power would come that he could, he could have this kinetic energy and speech to proclaim the mysteries of Christ yes. to whoever comes in that sphere. Yes. I think the Holy Spirit wants to bring conviction right now about bucking our circumstances. Yes. The Lord's saying, receive your circumstances. Yes. And begin yes. asking that a door be opened to you in the yes. middle of your circumstances. Ask for a door to open. Yes. The Lord's going to open up a door in the middle of the circumstances that have seemed very confining to you, very trapping. That's where the door is going to open up in the middle of your real life. Yeah, ask for the door. Ask for it. Yes. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. You got a real life. God's coming in the context of your real life. Thank you, Lord. to touch some people today with a fresh, non-religious, kinetic manifestation of Christ in you. I believe he wants to use Grant and some of our SOF2 students. If you're an SOF2 student and want to be part of the ministry team that ministers a fresh understanding and experience of Christ in us, come on up forward right now and, and to join with Grant. Thank you for listening to our podcast. 
We hope that you enjoyed wrestling with the Word and the Spirit as you engaged with this message. For more information, please visit our website at www.metrodetroit.org. And have a great week.